You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the group practice exchange for $100 off your first month. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. Today I have my fractional CFO, Julie Harris, who is probably someone that most of you guys know because she's also in the exchange giving amazing financial feedback to group practice owners. But today I have her on because we're going to be talking about her new book, Profit First for Therapists, which is launching really soon. And by the time you guys hear it, it'll be launching probably within a week or so of that time, I think, right, Julie? Yeah, it'll be in people's hands on May 2nd. I'm so excited. Well, I'm excited to get it, but also I've already read it. So I'm excited (laughs) to see it go out there. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Okay. So for maybe any listener who just somehow has been under a rock and doesn't know who you are, can you let people know of who you are about Green Oak and what you do? Yeah. So I am an accountant. I'm the owner of Green Oak Accounting. We're the largest firm in the US that provides services exclusively to private practice owners. So that's all we do. I am the host of the Therapy for Your Money podcast, and I'm now the author of Profit First for Therapists. So that is me in a nutshell. I have loved watching you from the beginning of like kind of concept and building your book and getting to be a part of reading it before it came out. And I want to know, because I know a lot of practice owners with diversifying services being such a big thing, talk about writing books. What was it like for you to write this book? So first I want to say it was so much more work than I thought it would ever be. Like I knew it was going to be a lot of work and it was just so much more than that. It was a very introspective process for me. I thought I would just sit at my computer and just write a book from like start to finish. That's what I thought. And I I ended up working with a writing coach um, that Mike McAllowitz recommends. And that was such a blessing because she's amazing. And it helped me write uh, such a better book, but like it is not a linear process. So I was jumping around all the time. And then I was also unprepared for like how many iterations of your draft there are before you get to this finished product. Yeah. I know a couple other people who've written books and they all say the same thing with regards to knowing that what they're expecting is probably not a reality, but then not realizing how far from reality their expectations were in terms of 
what the process of writing a book would look like. And so, yeah, I don't think it's, uh, does not sound like it's as easy of a process as one might think if you know what you want to write about and feel like you have all the knowledge about that topic that you think like that was the hardest part of it is, is creating the thing or thinking of the thing and having the information to create that book. But it seems like there's a lot outside of that. It was a two year process for me. And I did slow down in some areas just because of, you know, personal things going on, but it really was a two year process. And you were an advanced reader of the book. And so you read it back in September, I think. Um, And so six months ago, and even then, like at the point where I was like, okay, this is just about finished. I'm going to send it to advanced readers to get feedback. It is just a completely different book from then because some of the feedback I got was like, I am stuck here. This part doesn't make sense to me. So I went back to the drawing board and rewrote certain parts, like split chapters apart. And it's a different version from that in the best of ways, right? In the sense that I think it flows even better and it makes a lot more more sense now. Well, I'm excited that I ordered a bunch of copies so that I can reread and see where those changes have been. So anyways, for those that are listening, obviously my audience is is group practice owners and everyone here that listens knows that I'm a big proponent of Profit First and have been using Profit First for years. I want to say maybe a year or two after Mike had written the original Profit First book. Mm-hmm. So I've been using it for a lot of years. And then a handful of years ago, found you uh, looking for an accountant who knows about Profit First so that you know you can support me and my businesses around using Profit First. And just from there, it's really just become such a staple term in our industry. And so I'm really excited because I think Mike's book can feel hard to implement in group as a group practice owner or even a solo practice owner because the concept is written in a way that's very generalized to like business as a whole and so i'm really excited that my audience is going to be able to have a book that's really geared towards them and that those the numbers that he has really are very generalized and don't often translate into our industry because we have we are bringing on professional level clinicians. And so the expectations around payroll and those percentages are really quite different than what's in the book. And I know that's always stopped people. And so maybe can we start with what are maybe a couple of the things that you felt like your book expands on that helps group practice owners that maybe the original would have just been harder to just get to without that information? Yeah. So, so the original has allocations that are just, if your business is from this dollar amount to this dollar amount, here's how much you need to put in each account. Yeah. And, and I think it is a very generalized statement because like the book is intended for everyone. And what I felt like a lot of our clients in my accounting firm were struggling with is like, how does this translate to private practice? Because as you said, it's an industry where your labor force, your clinicians are really very expensive compared to other industries. So like it wasn't quite making sense. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I, I wrote the book. So one of the, the things that is different is that I lay out various sizes of private practice and we have ratios that are ranges. Because one thing that I feel like I actually learned this in part from you is that not every practice has the same the same values. And so for some practice owners, they're going to want to spend more in one area and less in another. And so I felt like giving just a, a percentage of like, this is what you need to spend in this, in this category, payroll, for example, that's not helpful. So I provide a range of like, it should be somewhere between this and this. So you have kind of this guideline of, 
all right, if I'm around that number, I know I'm doing okay. But I know if I want to be really high on this on this specific item, payroll, then I need to maybe be lower on the OPEX side. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the differences where we look at solo practice, a small, you know, just beginning group practice, a growing group practice, and then what I call a large group practice, which is typically over a million dollars in, in annual revenue. There's different things happening at each stage of private practice. So we have allocations that are different for each size. Yeah. That is going to be such a huge value add for people because like you mentioned, and like I've experienced, obviously when I started, I had to make it work, the profit first numbers and sort of chuck the percentages that he had written and just say like, that probably works for a lot of industries, but just not ours because of the people that we hire. But I know that a lot of people get stuck in not knowing if their percentage is actually okay when there isn't anything that's, you know, all we have is information that is going to show no matter what, even if you're like not paying, doing payroll, or if you're, even if you're not having a high payroll percentage, like maybe the value is in something else and not paying people like top tier, that percentage is still going to look a lot higher than what you read in profit first. And so it's yeah. really hard to know, am I like way off base or not? And so I, I think that's such a huge value add for people, especially now getting started, being able to have that, that range, not only just having a range, which I think is nice, but also a range based off of whether you're solo, a small practice, a medium-sized practice or large, because like you said, it is different. Um, and payroll looks different at all of those stages. Yeah. And and there might be a practice, for example, that decides to have a lot of interns, right? So their payroll costs might actually be on the lower end of the range, but then their leadership costs might be on the higher end of the range, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of, every practice is a little bit different, but you can find something that works for you within that as long as all of your allocations equal a hundred percent. Right. That's how math works. And Okay. And so that's another thing too, is like profit first, has their, you know, buckets of OPEX, taxes, payroll was technically a part of OPEX in his book, owners to compensation or distribution. What am I missing? Yeah. Uh, so income, oh, income, OPEX, yes. taxes, owners pay, payroll, and profit. Uh, and profit. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we forgot yeah. the profit one. <laughs> but one of the things that isn't talked about is like even the splitting apart or weeding apart of payroll, where some of payroll is going to be towards the services being rendered, while other parts of payroll might be towards administrative costs or leadership costs. And that isn't really discussed in his book originally, but I think it's something that's worth noting, because in our industry, you know, smaller practices that might not have a leadership team or might only have an admin that's uh, like contracted or, or a VA company where they're not spending as much, definitely that total payroll look is going to be much different than a larger practice. And that's not even counting clinicians who are providing the service, but just the support people. So I think that's just another piece that is helpful to to sort of understand and, and grasp as yeah. a practice owner. And that, that payroll account, as you mentioned, it's not in the original book by Mike Michalowicz. I did, that is how we implement it with our clients. We do have a separate OPEX and separate payroll. And that's what's written in the book as well, in part because as a group practice owner, payroll is typically going to be the single largest expense in a practice. And so when it's mixed with OPEX, 
it makes it even harder to figure out like, where is there an issue? Where is there friction? Yeah. Is it in OPEX or is it in payroll? Like, where is there something going on? So just by the action of separating them, mm-hmm. we're able to troubleshoot that much faster of like, what, what is going on here? And as you mentioned, I have allocations for clinicians, for admin and for leadership, and then also the kind of owner's pay um, yeah. categories as well. So they ultimately all go into the payroll account, but it's I find it's helpful for practice owners to know like, okay, here's how much I need to mentally allocate for my admin or for leadership if you have it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, and I think that is almost equally as important as the awareness for people to see what is it, what are the percentages or what are the ranges? Um, I think those two things are such a huge value. And if that's all your book had, it could be you know five pages of here's some allocations, uh, and, and some ranges of percentages. And this is where you should expect to be for leadership and admin and, and general payroll. And I think just that in and of itself is it would be the value of the whole book. So that being said, you spent a lot of time writing a book that goes beyond just those, those two concepts. What else can readers expect to learn or read about? I feel like we're in a, an infomercial, right? I'm like, oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> So I wanted to include in this book, obviously, all the basics of Profit First and the specifics of implementing in in private practice. But I knew there was other things that practice owners needed, and I wanted to include that as well. So it can be kind of a one-stop shop, a resource. So in the book, I talk about scaling. And I do think you have, uh, you definitely have a story in the scaling chapter. I talk about compensation for clinicians and different ways to compensate. I talk about compensation also for admin, for leadership. And then I talk about various things that just come up, like how to manage profit first if you have a side gig also, maybe a consulting business or some online courses. How do you manage it if you have multiple owners in the business, right? All th- kinds of things that we just see happen often and where our clients were getting stuck. I put that in the book. We also have things like paying down debt, which a lot of practice owners may not have debt on the business, but they might have significant student loan debt that they're still paying off and like how you can use the system to help you just pay down debt uh, fast. And so there's a lot of kind of other things that aren't necessarily directly profit first related, but that you can implement alongside. Yeah. I also like normally, I am not a person who likes a lot of storytelling. And you probably know just if you've ever, you know, watched any of my workshops or courses, like they're just very to the point. I always don't want to waste people's time. And I'm just like, I'm not going to tell this whole story of how I got to, there's like memes out there of like a cooking recipe, you click on it. And then it's like, well, when I was 12 and it's like a whole, (laughs) like I just want the cooking recipe. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I get storytelling is such an important thing, generally speaking. And I've always had a hard time engaging in that as a business person who's a coach, but I will say I remember with reading Mike's book because, you know, just numbers. I'm so sorry. You love them, but like nobody else does. And we don't want to, you know, we don't necessarily want to read about numbers, but what his book did was, you know, he had a good art to being able to weave storytelling in. And what I noticed in yours is obviously you can't write a book about money and numbers without some storytelling in it to keep people awake. And I think you did a phenomenal job with that because it's just so relatable because it's literally us. You're writing to people like us. And so your stories are other people who are like us who have our kind of businesses. And I think it makes it easier for us to see ourselves within the book. 
So I wanted to say I really loved that piece. And that's as a person who's typically slightly a critic of storytelling in like, unless I'm reading a book, storytelling, business books, I typically like to just have the information. And your book was did such a great job of really keeping me engaged in it and being like, it's, you know, group practice ownership and ownership of any sort of business can feel very um, isolating or lonely. And so I also got a sense of like being a part of a group by reading the stories in your book. I'm honored that you would say that. So thank you. I know that you're very much matter of fact and to the point. I feel like I am very much like that too. And I had to, to really dig in to get there. I'm so grateful. So many practice owners shared their story. Uh, for this book. And I'm so grateful for that. Cause like every story in there is, is a true story. It happened, whether they asked to change their name or not, like it's all real practice owners that are doing the work every single day. I also put a lot, some personal stories in there too, which felt very vulnerable to me. I like to just, you know, usually keep the focus on, on the client or the person I'm working with. And that felt a little bit scary, but they're out there. They're out, out in the world. Um, There's a lot of stories about my mom and kind of her business ownership journey and all the pieces that she took us through as kids. And then kind of all the way through, through the end, like Profit First allowed me to be around when my mom was really sick and I was her caretaker for a few months and I was there um, when she passed away. But like, I was able to do that because I knew my, my business was going to be okay. My team was going to be okay. We were going to have enough money to pay everyone. And like, I obviously did not start profit first with that intention in mind, but like, it's such a beautiful blessing that that's what it allowed me to do. Yeah. And I think that is a good sort of wrap to the theme of just profit first in general, which is if you're engaging in a system like profit first, the point is that obviously you're making a profit, but that also you feel safe in being able to take extended time off whether it's a sabbatical, whether it's caretaking for a family member or going on a long vacation, that when you implement something like this, it actually sets you up to be able to to take time off without being afraid that something's going to happen in the business. So can I turn the table on you and ask you a question? Yes, go for it. Can you think of one or two things that Profit First has allowed you to do as a business owner that may not have happened otherwise? Yeah, one well, I'll say one to, to do thing, but I want to start first with one thing that is not an action thing, but more of a mental thing, which I think was the biggest bonus for me is um, I am a visionary. So I am not a person who likes to implement or do like I have great ideas, you know, why I'm good at like the first half of business. And then I need a great team that can keep the second half of the, you know, part of the yeah. scheme going. And so I'm not great with reading numbers and researching and figuring out, you know, where things are going well and where they aren't from a financial perspective. I always was pre-profit first. I'm good. I was really great at not spending money. And so I thought, well, as long as I had money left and because I'm not someone, I never had debt. I never, like I always have been able to pay off my credit card at the end of the month. It's a whole nother episode for fear-based money issues with parents and like, being afraid I'm going to be poor and like having moments where I've had to, you know, sell clothes on eBay when I was in college to, you know, make rent and stuff. So I know there's some amount of like, I don't even want to know, close my ears and eyes. And, but I always survived because I just was very thrifty, but I had no clue 
if I was low one month, like what literally did it? And so crap at first, the best thing it did was really just give me peace of mind and feeling like I, without having to do really any more research than I ever did before, because it's just who I am. I'm not Julie like you. (laughs) It was a system that once it was built easily allowed me to just know at a moment's notice without much work where the issue was if finances felt off. And so for me, peace of mind was the biggest thing I got out of it. But in terms of your question, which was what it's allowed me to do action-wise, I feel like it made it much safer for me to start additional businesses. And so, as you know, like I've had, you know, other businesses and the group practice exchange being one of them. And I feel like I've only felt safe enough to like take a scary leap of doing business ownership. The first time was just a fluke that it all worked out, you know, but like once you're in it and you have a business and you're like, holy crap, like there's real money going in and out. Yeah, this is the thing. People like profit first made me feel comfortable enough to be like, I got this and be able to pursue other business passions without that kind of fear, money related fear. So that definitely has helped me diversify my own income and have alternate ways of making money and showing up in the world, which for me, I am an easily bored person. I have ADHD. I like to move around and do a lot of different things. And I don't think I would be doing all of the random things I do if it wasn't for profit first, because I would have just stay in my lane, slightly scared that something is going to mess all the money up at some point. And I don't feel that way because of profit first. So I'll say that's my biggest physical that, thing. That's super powerful because you tend to, you get a business up and running, you set up profit first within that business and it just kind of self-sustains at that yep. point, right? Like, you yeah. know, if it's, you know, if things are okay, things are not okay. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, add a bonus. If you have someone like an accountant like you, um, I think I know I would feel a sense of safety doing profit first because I did profit first for a handful of years before I had you all by myself. And I had a random accountant who knew nothing about profit first, did their own accounting that I never even looked at because I was like, I'm doing profit first. So (laughs) I don't know what your stuff, how it relates to my stuff. But when I ended up hiring you to do like CFO management and through the profit first lens, that definitely was an additional bonus around like business safety on my end, uh, having just a second person, a second set of eyes that would look at my finances from a profit first lens. That's good to hear. There comes a point where in business ownership, like you can keep doing it alone, but you maybe you shouldn't, yeah. right? Like you probably should have a second second yeah. set of eyes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So for everyone listening, re-say the title of the book, where they can find it. And obviously we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yes. So you can get the book anywhere that books are sold. Uh, The book is Profit First for Therapists. You can also go to profitfirstfortherapists.com slash TGPE for the group practice exchange to get our free expansion quiz. It will tell you if you are ready to expand or if you should maybe hold off and it'll give you some tips uh, wherever you are in your practice. I did not know this. I did not know we had this. I'm going to have to go there and this is a new thing and see if I if I'm ready to expand, Julie. <laughs> As you're, well, in the we can have a separate conversation about. You're, I yeah, feel yeah. like you're always ready to expand. Between you and Dana, 
you keep me from floating away on like this balloon into space. You're like, come back down. No, no, no. <laughs> come back down. Almost. <laughs> Let's wait another couple months. Yeah. Okay, perfect. There's a benefit to buying it before it comes out, right? For the author. Yes. And the week of the launch also is okay. really beneficial for the author. So if you haven't bought it already, I would love for you to buy it when you listen to this podcast because it yes. is helpful for us to make it to the Amazon algorithm specifically. It does okay. help us get the book into the hands of people like you who are also looking for that kind of book. All right. So audience, you're going to buy the book anyways, at some point, why not do it now when it can actually give Julie the boost to be more visible and get that book visible to other practice owners. So if you're going to buy it, you might as well just do it now. And it's a win-win for everyone. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's good seeing you again. And I will be cheering on the sidelines with my multiple copies of your book. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join The Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.